Shut up and sit down. Viva Colombia! Viva Igandernal! Vive le Tour de France! Are you sad that the tour is over and you have nothing better to do? Well, you might as well listen to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Cheer up, Buttercup. Storms don't last forever. 2020 will be here before you know it. Some might argue that bike riders and car drivers are like oil and water, they just don't mix. Today, I'm going to teach you guys how to wheelie on a mountain. Never, ever wear underwear. All right, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Von Dering. Today I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance in the studio. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) And today on Skype, we've got the one and only Matt LeGrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. How are you doing? Wonderful. Yeah, good. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. (laughs) (laughs) And back in the studio with us, Mr. Evan Price. So we got coffee and sparkling waters today. You know what I saw? Apparently, Cassia told me that the what's everybody drinking today thing is already used by another podcast group. <laughs> she told me to use that, and it's used by another podcast group. They don't care if we no, use do they it. Say, I think they will. I'm going to have legal action coming against me soon if I don't change up. <laughs> do they say, what are you drinking, or do they say, what are you sipping? What you sipping? Oh, that's a good question. I, I need to look at that. Yeah. So check on that. I should. I should. Two totally different terms. <laughs> don't worry. On my, on my trip coming up here, I'll, I'll make sure I brainstorm a new, a new entry. Yeah. Well, let's start the backpedal. Matt, why don't you backpedal for us first, because you're on Skype, and I'm sure you got some stories to tell. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I uh, am in Whistler, Canada uh, for, for the 2019 Ironman Canada race, which I am spectating instead of watching. Um, I was able to secure uh, like one of the race entry badges things so I can kind of go everywhere and get into spots I'm not really supposed to be. Uh, so that's been fun. Brought a camera, took some pictures. You probably uh, looked like media yeah. out there, didn't you? And cheered on some friends. Cool. on a lot of friends yeah good how did the race go down everybody do well or was it rough or um it was in yeah no i mean like i would say it was like uh, i mean the course was really difficult right because it's like so much climbing uh but uh the weather was fantastic which you know really plays a huge part in these races and i mean it was just kind of i would say like pretty much perfect weather um a little cold in the morning when they started i think it was like 49 50 degrees or something like that but by, i mean it really warmed up quickly so i don't think you really needed much by the time you're done with your swim and you know you start climbing around on the bike i mean it was it was really good conditions for for the whole thing uh and um on the so they had a women's pro field but not a men's pro field and what's interesting is uh heather wortel was like second out of the water but then like there was like confusion in the transition and so heather came you know got onto the bike first 
Uh, and then she got passed pretty quickly by um, this. I don't remember her last name, but her name's like Dee Dee. Starts with the, her last name starts with a G. I can't remember. Grease Bauer uh, or something like so that. So then, then you <laughs> know, like they like head off, you know, into the distance, and you know, oh. only seeing parts of the race. Uh, and then by the time the bike was over, Heather had put, you know, a significant amount of time back into uh, DD. So it was interesting. I'm not sure how it all went down, but, um, you know, some back and forth there on the women's field. And then Heather just hung on on the on the run. I think she won by about seven to ten minutes or something like that. So cool. Do you know, it's a really cool stat, Matt. Yeah, it's a good um, race. So Trevor Wortel. Um, won the yes. very first uh, Ironman Whistler, which I believe was either 2012 or 2014. And then the very last uh, 2013. one. 2013, yeah. 20, yeah. Right, then, in, right in between your suggestions. There you go. So yeah, somewhere <laughs> in between there. And then, so the very, so the first one was won by Trevor and then the very last one, uh, Heather won, which is kind of cool because now, you yes. know, it's it's moving location. So the Wirtel's book ended the, uh, the, the, the victories in Canada, which is pretty, pretty cool little stat. Yeah. I talked to both of them last night at midnight for a while. And cause you know, they, like I'd done some other like video projects with them or whatever. And so they were like, how's your arm? And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. You know, but they were, you know, and talking to them about some of the other people that were having injuries and stuff like that. And I think they were pretty happy, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much longer they're going to do all this Ironman stuff, but I think they were just kind of happy to like have a victory. You know, I feel like Trevor's put in, you know, a lot of time into the sport and stuff like that. So, you know, I think they're doing well. I just don't know how much longer they're going to play the, play the Ironman game. So yeah, they've been doing it for a while. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Anyway, it was really cool to catch up with those guys. Uh, and I'm super pumped that Heather won. I was cheering for her and, uh, I got a ton of, video footage and photos and stuff like that um i don't know what i'm gonna do with it uh one of like the friends of the podcast uh had you know was basically you know one of the guys that i had trained with uh a fair fair amount and i was really excited to see you know how he would do uh we've talked about on the podcast before nathan ansbaugh he um he basically swam really well swam about 56 minutes he was you know, one of the first few people out of the water, right? Because you have women's pros and then you have uh, age group guys. And so he was right up there, you know, got on the bike, did fine on the bike, um, but not a super fast time. I think things started to kind of crumble and he thinks he, he may have a stress fracture in his foot, but he ended up pulling out of the race, you know, after about um, halfway through the run, maybe a little further than that, 15 miles or so. Uh, so I think he's probably pretty disappointed. I grabbed, I was like, oh man, I have, I've, took so much video of you, so much stuff. And then I was like, we're just going to delete all this stuff. I'm not going to post it. <laughs> no, I think, you know, you don't want to, you always, I think, I think it was that smart when you're, you've had a race that doesn't go well. Yeah. I think it was smart of him to pull out though. You know, I think that that was, I, I think yeah. a lot of people would have tried to push through that and maybe set themselves really, really far back. And Nate's got so much, you know, uh, potential and good fitness that I don't think it was worth ruining it over, over this one race. Yeah. And I mean, I talked to him right afterwards and I was like, this race is, you know, it does not matter at all. Right. Like yeah. he, he would have been, you know, 1030 or 1045. Like that's just like, it doesn't matter that much. You know, there's nothing no. there. He, you know, he, he wasn't going to get a Kona spot. And, um, with that time, just because like, I think he, you know, had a rough bike or whatever it is. And it's just like, yep, it's not, you know, it's not that important. So mm-hmm. yeah. the big scheme of things. Hopefully he can recover and we'll see him in Santa Cruz maybe. So 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if he's planning on doing that one. I'm trying to convince him. Not, but yeah. That would be, yeah, that'd be interesting. Nice. When do you get back into town, Matt? So the next step for us is we're actually going to go to Victoria Island for a little while. Um, this town called Sanook or something like that. I don't even know. I basically, you know, was so geared up for this Ironman race. Like I wasn't really looking past it. And my wife and her sister were making all these plans for afterwards. And I was just like, after the Ironman? Okay, don't care. Like, oh, whatever. Way. Yeah. And so, um, so now it's like, oh, I guess we're really going on some additional trip to this, you know. And so I won't be back until Friday, I don't think. So I will be in, hopefully I will be in studio on Monday. Cool. Nice. Right on. Okay. Well, let's move on. Mr. Evan. I've got a pretty short one over here. Um, I last weekend was in Bend for a, we'll call it a altitude training camp, I guess. If it's three days counts as a training camp. We teased you about it last week on the podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we already give you a hard time. time. In in case anybody's wondering, I still suck at altitude, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it was, it was good to get kind of exposed to that sensation again. Not that I'm under any, any inclination that you actually adapt in three days to altitude, which you do not at all. (laughs) But I did need to kind of get up around that 6,000 foot mark and train pretty hard up there. So it, it, it went well though, honestly. Um, I definitely, Matt will kind of chuckle about this. I had set really high goals for a long run on Sunday morning, and it somehow went kind of according to plan, but not even close to how it was supposed to go. It fell apart a little bit. Oh, it did. So Cass- Cassie will find this very, very funny. She was my bike pace um, and giving me Coke and Red Bull the entire time, which is usually what I take on the course. So we were trying to simulate that. And, you know, she was playing. She's following you on the bike. She was she was leading me on the bike and playing music, too, which is most important. You know, that's nice. Yeah. Music was most important there. But I tried. That's really nice. Oh, it is. And Matt, you'll find this funny. So I tried to plan a flat route. So we went around Elk Lake, which is pretty high up. But what I had forgotten about Elk Lake is it actually does climb around Elk Lake a decent amount. So so I do a three mile warm up moving pretty well. We go, the goal was going to be a six by five minute effort at sub race pace. Okay. So with about two minutes recovery each. Now, of course, my really dumb planning didn't realize that obviously at altitude it takes a little bit longer to recover if you're not exposed to that. And uh, the first interval went up about 250 feet. So oh, yeah. <laughs> pacing wise kind of threw me off a little yeah. bit. And but that, it's about the effort. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it basically but became, trying, right. it became only about the effort yeah. at that point. Instead it, of the yeah. certain pace. Yeah. Heart rate skyrocketed. Yeah. And Cassie, it has me going to the second interval. She's like, okay, you guys start your second interval. I was like, this entire thing's going to be an interval. <laughs> so at that point it was just trying to hold as close to six minute pace as you possibly can. And I was able to, but oh my God, it hurt. So so yeah, um, that's good. It'll make you stronger. Oh yeah, Al- Al- altitude is still a thing. So yeah, that's what I found out last weekend. Are you are you trying to get ready for Boulder seventy point three? Yeah, yeah kind of. Boulder's at like five thousand feet or yeah, 6, roughly feet? roughly yeah. around five thousand. I think is where the reservoir is. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's gonna be a tough race. My my, I have three races coming up. Um, I do Boulder this next weekend. And then at the end of August, I do a race in Michigan and then culminating with Santa Cruz um, in California the first weekend in September. So for me, really, it's all just building up to Santa Cruz. 
Now, I am not the person who ever says I have a B race. Every race is an A race. I'm not going to pretend like I can go into any of these races with a B race and even right. be somewhat respectable on them. I have to have an A race every race. But um, I'm under no predisposition that Boulder is going to be a hard race for me. So, yeah. I'll have I, a, the thing about Boulder is everyone's there. Yes. Yeah. It's a, that race is going to be... This yeah. is going to be very competitive. Which yeah. which I think will be good for me because hopefully I'll be able to come out with a swim pack and my bike fitness is good right now. So I'm hoping that there will be some, it yeah. won't be like Chattanooga where I get spit out the back and I'm basically racing by myself <laughs> till the run. So I'm hoping I don't have to make up a ton of time on the run because that may not happen. But yeah, there was, there was my back pedal was a little bit of a forward pedal actually. Like yeah. <laughs> Nothing excited happened this last week. Lance, back pedal force. Well, I had a uh, quite eventful and big week. Um, I, I trained mm. almost 19 hours. I saw that. Yeah, cool. over uh, almost oh 320 miles on the bike. So, uh, And I raced a couple of times, which um, was really quite fun and interesting. Uh, Monday night, we had short track and uh, short track mountain bike race. And Jake and I uh, got out there together and... Um, we uh, we kind of laid into each other a little bit. How Lance we- beat me again. Just say it, Lance. Yes, <laughs> I did beat Jake again. This this was so- our own little like mountain bike rumble sort of competition <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> well, I was for the first lap. I was sitting on Jake's wheel, and the leader was was kind of getting away from us. And I'm like, Jake, one of us has to go with him. We need to go with him. And it was like I don't know a quarter lap later. Jake's like, Lance, just go. <laughs> Just go around me. And so I went around Jake, and I just about reeled him in. I got within Uh, like three seconds of him, and then he just got the fear in his eyes and rode away from me. But uh, I did end up taking uh, second place and uh, just a few seconds behind the leader, and Jake was just a few seconds behind me. That was all relatively close. I think we're all like six or seven seconds spaced out. I just didn't have the bullets in me. I don't know what my problem is. I think I'm still just trying to get fitness back and your fitness is coming back quite rapidly. So looking good, Lance. It's been, uh, it's been coming on here the last uh, few weeks. So that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of teammates out there. We had a lot of fun. Tonight is the last night with the big relay event and super looking forward to that. We're going to, we're going to have some, some fun tonight. So it should be good. Now when good backpedal next week, how long, how long does short track go for? Uh, it's it's an eight it's a seven week series eight, eight so weeks, tonight, okay. eight weeks eight weeks yeah. and tonight's the last tonight, night that yeah I thought yeah. I thought that, that that final finale was coming up here yeah. soon mm-hmm. yeah so it should be it should be exciting we've got a fireworks. bunch of relay teams yeah, there, yeah some fireworks and in our in our category uh, Danny Weichel is running away with it we can't catch him Jake is firmly in second mm-hmm. and uh, we can't catch him and then me and two teammates are all battling for that third podium spot. You know that's that's going to be some some inner fighting right there. Is is, so, is the team going to have to like choose sides on who they want to well, support? We're all just it's me and Chris Weirman and Terry Hamness. We all uh-huh. kind of have a shot at that third podium spot, and yeah. we all, you know, I love those guys. Yeah. Uh, we we all just kind of race to have fun. We're just going to go out there and race. We're yeah. just going to have fun. Anything so. could happen at any moment though with that that group of three of you. Yes, it you could. Know, if the weather stays cool. Like it is right now. Like if it stays cool going into this evening, Weirman turns into a beast when the he weather does. gets cool. He just he becomes a whole other animal out yeah. there, and he's due. You know, Terry Hamness is super smooth, and he's been working on his fitness, and he's getting closer and closer. You know, that could happen. Lance is getting strong and fast right now, and of all three of these people, mm-hmm. mechanicals can happen. Stupid yeah. little things can. Yeah, happen. You, you can never happen. know, so you got to go. You got to show up. Yeah, you know, that's why we have the race. 
It's so fun to watch. Racing. Yeah. Very short. And that's the thing is like, it just takes one, one of the right moves on a short, short race like that. Just one <laughs> good 30 second yeah. effort. <laughs> it will, you know, it's 35 minutes of max effort. Yeah. And, but that's considering you don't crash, go off course or have a mechanical. And yeah. any one of those three things could happen. Or just feel off that day. <laughs> or just we can feel have off. an off day. I mean, Lance just rode f- over 15 hours, you said, or 18 hours? Eight, eight, 18. Almost 19 hours. Yeah. You could, I mean, you've had I could be fatigue flat. built up over the last yeah. three. You could come out and be flat as a pancake yeah. tonight. So. Well, that's not the spirit, Jay. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anything can happen. <laughs> you, so. know. you know what? I was thinking about this last night, how much fun it's going to be. And I'm half uh, thinking because I can't. I can't lose second place. So no. it doesn't matter if I come in first or last. I still uh-huh. have second place in the podium. I might just let all three of these guys come around me and I'll sit back there with my GoPro and do there play by go. play and yell and scream <laughs> at cool them. One, yeah. yeah, make something funny of it. So yeah. Just try to interject uh, yourself at certain exactly. moments. Yeah. Bring back anybody who's losing. <laughs> oh, Nancy Poo, he's uh, catching on you. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> it should be fun tonight. So I'm looking forward nice. to it. Um, that was Monday night. Lance, so you have this, you have this race. And then this one coming up or whatever. And then are you, do you have any travels planned coming up? Um, I, I probably have some trips kind of tentatively planned. Loosely planned. Yeah. yeah loosely planned. Um, this was the, this was the race I didn't really want to miss. Uh, there is a crit next weekend gotcha. that I kind of want to do as well, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the red line? Okay. Crit? The red line crit. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. I, I mean, I've, two of my daughters are going to be driving across the country to Florida, and I might join them. You guys want to make a stop in Colorado? <laughs> do, you know when the, do, you, do you know when they're taking off? No, I'm not positive about that. So, mm. uh, yeah, it'll be, that'll be sometime in August, which is right on our heels here. So, yeah. So, yeah yep. so, I might be doing a little bit of traveling, but it's all kind of – all plans are soft with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Itinerary open. <laughs> pretty open schedule (laughs) so um the other there was two other kind of crazy things that happened this week um i did race at uh, portland international raceway on tuesday night it is a uh circuit race about a 30 mile circuit race and i was there um leading out or trying to lead out a teammate ian gibson to try to keep him in the uh, podium position for the month of july ian's had a great year so he has had a good year Yeah. yeah and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I actually, after working really hard Monday night, I felt really good on Tuesday. I'm mm-hmm. not really exactly sure why, but I had some power in my legs that night and was feeling really good. Um, led Ian out on several sprints, um, and it, I actually didn't quite mean to do this, but on the very last final sprint, as I was leading him out, he didn't quite get around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, yeah. and I wasn't. I wasn't standing and sprinting. I was just head down. Jake took some pictures. He was out there taking pictures, and you can see as I'm coming up to the line, I'm like looking to my right and left, like where is Ian? He mm-hmm. should be passing me. And um, I kind of sat up a little bit, but he didn't quite get me. Um, but he he had scored some points in the hot laps. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bit of an incident in the race as well. There was a there was a very bad accident um, on the third hot lap, and a fellow racer, Bob Poole, actually uh, had some pretty serious injuries that are going to take him a while to recover from. And we were uh, super sorry to see that happen. And that happens in bike racing and tight bike racing, and when you're sprinting for things sometimes. And so, um, and Bob's a pretty strong sprinter. Very too, strong isn't he? sprinter. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it, it, I was, again, I was leading out Ian. I was at the head of the field mm-hmm. and um, uh, three of us kind of tangled a little bit and Bob ended up hitting the wall and that's why he got mm-hmm. hurt, which was really unfortunate. I don't know what more we should say about that other than we yeah. really hope the best for Bob and for his recovery. There is mm-hmm. a GoFundMe page for him. Um, yeah. To help him cover some of his uh, medical and and mm-hmm. bike repair costs to yeah. help, so we uh, certainly are looking out for you, Bob, and love you, and hope that uh, you recover well from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's you know just tough bike racing right there, but yeah. definitely people should go onto that that GoFundMe and and give him and some help. help. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's that's part of being the part of this yeah. bike racing community. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. The rest of the week, I rode like fifty miles every day, just because. God. I don't know. Hey, Jake, you want to go on a recovery too. ride with me? And I, I hook up with him, week. and he's already like 30 miles in his ride. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's not a recovery ride, pal. No. no. <laughs> that's it. God. And then on Saturday, we had the ride around Clark County, which is a big yeah. uh, organized uh, event. I don't know. There were a thousand cyclists out there or something like that. I don't know how many. Um, I don't think there were that many. Their attendance was down a little bit this oh. year. I think they were closer to like that that the three to 500 range. Um, okay. According to what some of the people, I don't know how many people, people signed up the day of. That's why I'm saying it could have been up to 500. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I like think that. it was more like in that 350 to 400 range. So we had a good group of about uh, 15 guys that started together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a bunch from the team and others uh, from mm-hmm. our, the Dallas Hiking Club that just wanted to come ride with us. We were doing the 100 mile ride. Jake and I rode together with several other um, solid teammates. Um, and I don't know, probably. 25 miles in we lost most of the group except for <laughs> eight of us yeah i mean there, i mean some of the people knew that that was going to happen and they said we're just going to try and hang out with you guys as long as we yeah. possibly can but yeah. what was nice is the ones that did fall off a lot of them stayed together and yeah, they, they rode together so they kind of naturally developed a b group so yeah. yeah that's good the course was marked great there were great um aid stations um we you know it it drizzled on us at the beginning and that scared some people away but then it warmed up and it just was well it was more than a drizzle there for a while i took quite a bit of road spray and that was disgusting yeah it was really slimy road (laughs) slimy and foamy and it was just gross but But, uh yeah our group we averaged uh, about 20 miles an hour for the for the 100 miles even with stopping and yeah taking some easy sections but i don't know um about 80 miles in I just started to feel good. Yeah. So we ended up, five of us ended up kind of breaking away at the end and just hammered the last like 15, 18 miles at like yeah. 26 or 27 miles an hour. Oh, so geez. it was oh. crazy, which, which was good for me, uh, mostly because I'm not a climber and I got dropped on both the big climbs. Yeah. But this has never happened before. I was able to catch back on. Yeah, he rallied on pretty strong. How'd you how'd you feel going up that? What's that last climb up in Philida? It's a, it's a short climb, but it's yeah, kind of a leg stinger. It's just super steep. Yeah, yeah. were you able to make it up that? I one? did. I made it up that without cramping, and that was that's probably good. the first time that I've made up that's that a, without that's, cramping. I was gonna say if you're racing, <laughs> when rack I'm racing. like over a hundred miles, that last climb of fly is gonna suck. Yeah. That is a stinger. Yeah, on paper, it doesn't look terrible, but when no, you're yeah, in the moment, yeah. 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 Like, I find that that's at like a mile eighty-two. So yeah, it's no, it's at like mile ninety-two. Oh. 
it is. Yeah. Oh, even later in the ride. Yeah. And it's like 14% or something like that. <laughs> I think that. it actually make it up over 14%, yeah. but yeah. So it's a fun climb. Anyway, we had a great time. Um, Jake and I rode together for most of that and it was, it was really fun to ride with those teammates. So yeah, yeah it's a solid day. Good That's times. Good. good times. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll make mine pretty short and sweet. Um, Lance already went through most of it. Uh, we had the short track. That's fun. I'm really looking forward to tonight. Uh, we're we're going to have three relay teams out there. So three ten-person relay three teams. teams. That's pretty awesome. Cool. And we'll have other teammates out there who aren't on a team or one of the relay teams. I think they'll stand in as alternates in case something happens to somebody. But that's that's really good. Um, you know race registration for us i mean yes. we're we're putting a lot of people out there and i think we should be able to hold on to that team competition again i think we have a, a 900 point lead and if we're going to bring 30 plus people out there to race tonight i don't see another team being able to touch that so oh, that's fantastic. knock on wood i think that looks stay looking good looking good <laughs> um yeah just more riding with lance this week it was uh you know just another great week of riding um did the little fog hat ride on Friday. That was yeah. fun having some new people out there. And we have um, our first August fog hat ride this coming Friday, which will be our little social ride that we're going to do every Friday. will be the, the first of the last four. And it's going to be the ugliest kit competition. There will be a little prize for those that want to come out and do that. So, <laughs> But um, anyhow, the uh, the rack was fun. Um, I, I, <laughs> I wanted to have a good training effect. I knew I was going to have some cramping issues. I just, because I haven't done any long rides since team training camp. And I just, it just happens to me almost every single time. And I hung in there for pretty damn long until it actually happened. And I was probably close to the century mark when it happened because I started the day by riding 15 miles to the start of the right. ride. And it, I remember there was just a point where we got a little bit separated at a stop sign and I had to wait for a couple cars and the group got away and I'm like, oh, I'll just go catch up to him. We'll just keep riding. Went to get out of the saddle to catch you guys. And it's like, oh, there it is. And it just cramped mm-hmm. up on that medial yeah. quad. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to suck. So <laughs> I pace lined as best as I could to catch up to you. And I got pretty close until we got to some rollers and then I had to get into it again and it started to cramp again. And then, um, again, just was... Um, yo-yoing off the back and then I connected with Mike Guyvan who was pretty much done <laughs> he'd done the little KOM chasing early in the ride so he and I just came in what four or five minutes after you guys yeah yeah. so that was good riding another 15 ride home mile ride home so 130 miles from me on the day that's huge longest Dick. longest ride of the year so yeah. um, my shoulder was pretty damn tired and it was sore the next day but um, you know two days later it's feeling pretty good yeah. so good I'll be hey, it's, it's, it's handling short track and it's handling 130 mile ride that's yeah that's solid yeah that's a very good can't complain too much so yeah it was a fun fun week um lead out news let's wrap up this little tour de france ah uh, hey matt put your hand up in there i'm gonna give you a virtual high five way to go buddy uh the right hand doesn't go up very high <laughs> left hand i've got throw, my i've got my left hand up yeah <laughs> wait matt had picked egon bernal right but, yep so did i oh, yes, yeah. Did. yeah so guess who didn't me and lance <laughs> me yeah, yeah some uh yeah myself and matt were yeah. the winner winner chicken dinner guys so some some, some cool stats on on bernal there he from from a cycle crazy country like Colombia, he is the first Colombian to win the Tour de France, which means that guy is never going to have to buy a meal in his home country ever again. <laughs> that country is so happy okay. right now. Twenty two years old. Twenty two. That is just absolutely nuts. Yeah. How many more tours is this kid That's going the, to win? So first, before we get into that, who here thinks he's the youngest tour winner? Got an well, interesting little stat here. Since post uh, World War Two, he is. He is. So he is, but the guy who was the youngest tour winner was 19. Uh-huh. 
and he only won the tour because the first four guys were suspended, disqualified. <laughs> Wasn't so, that like 1903, though? Or it something? was a long time ago. Yeah. I, I actually think it was, yeah, I, I, I forget the year, but it was long enough ago. I think everybody can say he was the youngest tour winner. We're just going to say that he was the youngest tour winner. So Egon Bernal has the potential to be one of the greatest tour riders yeah. of all time knowing what he did and he's still like he's 22. still ripening up i mean he's he, so young okay and here's another little factoid for you you've got chris Froome sending out shouts to him and you've got um you know him really rallying hard i mean he mm-hmm. is ahead of schedule with his um his rehabilitation yeah just to remind you chris Froome broke his neck his femur his elbow his hip and his ribs oh. yeah he's back on the trainer now yeah and this was how many months ago two months ago mm-hmm that is insane. That's crazy. That oh, yeah. is a lot of pain right there. And that's a lot of, I mean, you have to let it those is. bones set, but he's already back on the trainer doing like one legged stuff, but yeah. he's on the trainer getting ready. So he's already saying he'll be back next year. And yeah. I don't doubt him for one second. So when you think about that, you're going to have the last three tour winners on the same riding team. together on the same, same team. team. Yep. How insane is that? Who's who's the leader crazy. at the tour? Yeah, who knows? Uh, Bernal. Yeah. And you know, no, Bernal. It was really cool to see how excited Grant Thomas was. Grant Thomas yeah. was, yeah. you know, for yeah. him. You know, even though he took second by only, you minute know, twelve seconds. Minute yeah. twelve oh, seconds. Yeah. He looked strong he, all tour. Yeah, yeah, he was just like so happy. Proved us for wrong because I thought for sure Thomas was going to not even be in. I, I thought he was going to be like you know where some of the guys creeping at the end of the back top ten were. Yeah, but yeah. He held his own, and I kind of had a sneaking suspicion, me personally, that mm-hmm. Bernal was going to be the one that they were going to support based on some of the things that you were reading and seeing and hearing yeah. about um, Thomas being just a touch heavier and maybe not. Mm-hmm. Kind of, he's still a diesel motor, man. He's still chugged Climbed away incredibly yeah. well. But yeah. that just that's a testament to Egan Bernal, how much um, talent that kid has at such yeah. a young age. So Th- This is why I don't even think it matters what Froome comes back to form-wise and if Thomas comes back with a vengeance next yeah. year. I think Bernal will be the leader at yeah, the tour for the next couple of years for Ineos. Possibly, or it could be yeah. Froome just being like the, the leader on paper, but yeah. not who's, who, who they support. I think it's going to be kind of the same thing. Yeah, Let's let let's let the yeah. guys just kind of roll out and see who's feeling great, and then mm-hmm. we'll end up supporting the person that's in the best position. I don't think you need to put your stamp on any one person. That's yeah. just media that wants to hear that. Yeah. The team, I think they've got a good approach. Yeah. Now, here's here's the question. If Dave Brailsford does not stay around with Team Enios, let's say this guy retires. Which, yeah. Who's there, that? Dave uh, David Brailsford manager. is the manager of, okay. of Team Sky Team Enios. Okay. Yeah, has been like the architect behind British Cycling's, you know, rise basically. Uh, polarizing figure, hate or love him. He's incredible as a manager. Um, sure. So if he does not stay on with Team Enios, whether he retires, moves on to another team, anything, what happens to that team? What happens to Bernal? Do you think? That's a good question. I think a lot of it has to do with um, whether or not Froome or um, Thomas stick around too, because mm-hmm. I think that those guys get it. They've they've got this team mantra, and everybody's yeah. bought into it, rightfully so, because it's working well. If you've got one of those guys that's kind of like the captain of the team, that's kind of keeping that mantra alive, mm-hmm. he could stick around, and he's going to want to stick around because who has the biggest budget in cycling? Right. Too many else, yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- where are you going to stay? I mean, one mm-hmm. of these other teams is going to pony up a crap ton of money for him potentially, but what yeah. are they going to have to support him so that he can become the greatest cyclist of all time? Yeah. I think the only way this goes wrong is if he goes to Trek. <laughs> That's the only way that he could screw yeah. this up is if Trek ponies up enough money to convince him to go there well, and he'll guarantee never win a tour again if he goes to Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think well, that'll happen. You know, the other, the other interesting thing 
this tour um, favored climbers over time trialists a little yeah. bit more because the time trial was was fairly short, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that Bernal is still developing he's gotten a whole lot better as a time trialist he did have a strong time but but it was also a climber's time trial too yeah, so but yeah. he's not a super great time trialist mm-hmm. and and that's generally what the tour winners get so i think that's the only knock on bernal winning yeah four more tours is true how how much of an effect is that time trial gonna play in mm-hmm. the, the next few years and like i mean you you look at how the tour advanced too he really, I mean, it was kind of a weak competition tour comparatively to what it could have been. You look at there, there were some big names not there. I mean, Tom DeMulon wasn't there. Yeah. If you have a time trial heavy tour, yeah. mm-hmm. guys like Thomas and DeMulon and Froome yeah. are going to be the names you look at. Um, I think Quintana didn't have half the tour he was capable of. You look at Pinot. I, I think I think Pinot was absolutely in position to be somebody who could climb with Bernal on those big stages, yeah, but had a bad quad contusion that took him out eventually. Fuglesong, I think, was in great form and just had bad luck. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and it's a tour. So I, I mean, the Tour de France. If you have bad luck, it's on you because that's how the tour is. Right. But if you look at all of those contenders, if they all stay, uh, you know, maybe that that win doesn't happen as smoothly. Well, right here's there. another thing yeah. too. But look at stage. What was it? The the rain shortened stage. Was yeah, that, yeah. Eight, the one that 18, people are going to be talking about forever. Yeah. So nineteen. Yeah. Everybody is saying, without a shadow of a doubt, that Bernal was going to put even more time yeah, into everybody was. on the final climb. He didn't even get a chance to open it up. I mean, he separated himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. How much more time would he put into that? Yeah. I mean, so that's true. But That's I'm, a good point. I'm just saying, like, if Pino's there, I think Pino stays with him True. for yeah. for, for most of those climbs. Yeah. True. So here's here's the speculation. And the, the the other thing, just just wrapping up the doors. I mean, what a performance from Al Philippe! Fantastic, incredible. Yeah. Like that guy should be everybody's favorite rider now. Yeah, it's just <laughs> he's, really cool. He's like see. he's like Peter Sagan. Like you <laughs> should love this guy, and if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Like if you love bike racing, you love him. Yeah. 14 days in yellow. Yeah. That was super impressive for a guy that had... He looked tired. No misses. <laughs> that guy looks so shattered. tired. By Do you end. think he's sitting at home right now, trying well, wherever he's at, trying to figure out how can I make that stick next time? Or do you think he just knows that that's just I, not in his cards? I think he knows it's not in his cards. Okay. I, he's such a good one-day racer and world championship sort of sure. guy. But yeah. just thinking about the fact that he's out there doing all of his own work, he doesn't have a domestic to, to no. tow him around. He doesn't have somebody to go back to the car to get him bottles or nutrition. Yeah. And does that change anything? Or do you think that it just oh. is what it is and he just was like Cinderella for 14 days? I I would love to say that next year, like a great dark horse pick would be Alaphilippe. Yeah. But I don't, I think when, when you got into those high mountains as that elevation picked up, yeah. I think his weakness was shown there, yeah. which and weakness is a bad word there, but just, he's not that pure climber type late in a grand tour yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he's ever going to quite develop into that because the guy races so much harder through the year than those grand tour riders do. Okay. So who's the better cyclist? Him oh, being like Alfie. all, all or Mr. All around guy that can do yeah. just about everything great or somebody that's just a little skinny climber guy that, yeah. Uh, who's a better all-around cyclist? I That's mean, a, Philippe for sure. What do you think, Matt? Valverde. Man, that guy was so Ooh, impressive. Yeah, I love Valverde. That's a good There's pick. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Van Aert is my was super impressive. He's definitely that all-around rider, but that's not always what you need as a GC contender. And I think if he he could 
he could be one of those guys that goes home, thinks about it, changes his complete training structure, mm-hmm. and is like, I, I'm going to try and make this stick. Like that, it, and still, right? Like we think we all agree that this was kind of a weak tour. Like no matter what, like even these guys that have had these great races, I still don't think that they're guaranteed anything next year. There's just so mm-hmm. much talent that was not there. And by was not there, I mean like some guys weren't fit like they typically are. Mm-hmm. Um, past tour winners that were maybe winning stages, but weren't necessarily, you know, in the GC contentions whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I yeah. just think that I think next year is going to be completely different. I mean, I think we're definitely going to be talking about Egan Bernal, but I don't know that we're going to be talking about Julian Alaphilippe yeah. as a contender. Well, I wonder if the if the tour organizers will try to build the tour to favor oh, Alaphilippe a little sure. bit. You know, <laughs> yeah. the French, the poor French people. Like, what a what a French way to end this tour for them is like they haven't had a winner since Bernard Hinault, and it was what the early 1980s. I mean, they are coming up on, I mean, it's not that far away from 40 years since they've won a tour. They are going to basically just build one day races. Like they're just going to repeat like what the Ardennes classics look like so that Alaphilippe has a chance to win. Just good. they're going to take all time trials out. Right. Well, no, actually, well, no, I mean, yeah, won he won the time trial. trial, so they just need a. Ver- they're going to do that same exact time trial course <laughs> and just make the climbs all at sea level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll start altering weather patterns. Yeah, stage <laughs> short. Oh, sorry, got to cut it short. Oh, I'm sorry. At the top of the climb, there was this random landslide that we definitely caused ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, there's ahead. a there's a good little conspiracy thing. What yeah. if that landslide? was caused <laughs> by somebody who saw Bernal breaking away there. <laughs> Hit the dynamite. Yes, exactly. Got to blow the side of the mountain. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple things out there, and I just want you guys' quick reaction on this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, team Jumbo Visma. What's your thoughts on that team? Uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, they they won four stages. Something four, like that. Four yeah. or yeah. five stages. Mm-hmm. You know, that they got that that many stages is is uh, is fantastic. They, they go toe-to-toe with Team Ineos next year, I bet. And they yep. make the race exciting. Yes. I think it's going to be Visma versus Team Enios, and it's going to be fireworks. Yep. Um, Matt, did you have any? I honestly thought that was one of the biggest biggest stories of the tour. It was like, here, who is this team? Like they, they, yeah. I feel like they haven't really been on my radar. I always, in my mind, pictured like Team Sky versus like Movie Star. Movie Star. Like yeah. those are the two teams mm-hmm. that I always thought were like in contention. You know, and, and Movie Star is always fantastic. They usually win like the team title, mm-hmm. but. Not Jumbo Visma. I mean, that that was not on my radar, and they did fantastic this season. So I think they're one of the big stories for the tour for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing Welk come back. He's still in the hospital, by the way. From the I last, know. I was reading I last night, he's Ugh. still in the hospital recovering from that. That poor guy. Holy cow! Do you he, think cross nationals are still? That's not till that's not till like January. He, he'll be back. You think so? Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, there's going to be some rehab process there, and there's fatigue and he's getting like yeah. deconditioned. I, mean, I just so hope this is not the last time that we see him at this level. That would be truly no. tragic. It was just, it's just like yeah. a muscle. It was like a muscle. He like filleted his, yeah. His, he ba- yeah. That, that's his quad open yeah. basically. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know. Okay. Another one, Caleb Ewing, best sprinter in the Peloton right now. He's a scary sprinter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's so fast, but he's like, on the verge of out of control. Yeah. Every, every time. Back tires flopping his all over the place. His back wheels all over the place, yeah. yeah. And he's like got his nose on his front wheel practically. Yeah. You know, this. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to say best sprinter in the I think peloton he's... right now yet. Because, I mean, the the, the, the Jumbo Visma sprinter, Grudewegen, is, is incredible too. Yeah. And young. So, yeah. 
How explosive is that kid, though? I mean, he oh, he's like, incredible. Even yeah. like yesterday, that last win was awesome. He, yeah, it's like <laughs> he, he, all right, he's not a shot in it. out of a cannon. Yeah, yeah. just exploded. Another twenty-two year old. I mean, yep. years to come, and they're they were comparing him to that of Mark Cavendish. Do you yep. think he's another Cavendish kind of guy? Yeah, I mean, he sprints like Cavendish. He positions himself yeah. maybe even a little bit better than Cavendish did at that age. I mean, when you watch the line he took in Paris yesterday. He basically swung from the left line around to the right line and came around and somehow won. I mean, it was incredible. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. My he's last. Just so much faster. Yeah. yeah. At yeah. the so end, quick. he's so much faster, and that's just weird. Yeah. Do Do you know what his stats are in terms of like his height and his stature? Like his what, height and his, his what's weight? he like? He's four, four foot four. flat. No, four. he's five four. Guys, he's a little micromite. He is a little, yeah, mini mouse. A pocket rocket. Is that what they were calling him? Yeah. God. (laughs) Okay, my last question for you guys, and then I'll let you guys ask any that you have. Mm -hmm. Biggest flop of the tour? My pick. Barday. Barday? (laughs) (laughs) He still won the King of the 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 Mountains. He was the hope of France, and he had to settle for getting random intermediate climbs on breakaway days. I mean, uh, do, do not get me wrong. Winning the polka dot jersey is incredible. Like, it's amazing. But that guy was supposed to be right there for France. Yeah. He was a pretty sorry sight there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Lance? Nibbly. Nibbly? Well, he went into it saying that he wasn't there to win. He said, I'm just here to win stages. He says that and all the time, though. He yeah. won the big one at the end. So, yeah. Yeah, he won well, one yeah, stage. Yeah, no, he did he win two? No, he won one. Was one. It just one? I thought yeah. it was two. Gotcha. Yeah. Matt, do you have any flop picks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of them. I mean, I'd say Fabio Aru should be considered, right? Oh, like he had, a, that's a good I think one. he was in the yeah. mix and some, mm-hmm. just never did anything. Uh, TJ Van Garden, another mm-hmm. another bad tour. Yeah. So he would be one that I would definitely say, like, I mean, I feel I feel for him. Yeah. yeah. I really feel for him. Mm-hmm. He has had so much bad luck at the tour. Yep. Richie. So, I don't know if you call that a flop though. Richie when when people. Crash out? Do we call it a flop, or do we just say like that's just bad luck? Oh, well, he did flop on the ground. Well, but 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 also <laughs> like I mean on the, the the stages before that that mattered. He wasn't performing, so I don't think it matters yeah. crash or not. He was not going to be there. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. fun to watch. And this morning I got up. It was about five forty-five in the morning, and I'm like, oh, no tour. Yep. Dang it! <laughs> I know. It's always the saddest part. <laughs> this is like it's day twenty-two. I know. Got to wait for the Vuelta now. But this yeah. is the thing: is the Vuelta is always very exciting too. I True. love. I love watching the Vuelta. Yeah, we'll get into that at a later time. Yeah. All right. Unless you guys have anything else to add to this, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Our topic: all the small things. All the. Small, small things. things, and by that, I'm just, I want us, I want us <laughs> yes, to discuss. Does. I've, and what <laughs> the reason why I, I thought of this is I've just been thinking about like when I go out on my rides, I'm, I'm doing all these little things, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing them so that I can get myself back into shape as I'm trying to recover. And I'm thinking, I'm like, these things are working pretty well for me, and I'm like, all right, I'm kind of hearkening back to me in my early years when I'm trying to develop skills, and they're just like mm-hmm. these dumb little mundane things that you do. And you try and master them and then you move on to something else or doing things a little bit differently or just I wanted to be able to share with our listeners things that we do that maybe they can buy into and that they can utilize um, as they try and further along their cycling career or their mm-hmm. even triathlon stuff. I mean, if it's a little yeah. triathlon hack too, that that that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's little, you know, sayings or quotes out there like dripping water hollows the stone not through force, but through persistence. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. doing little things like that continuously over and over and over again that's going to forge out what you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. as opposed to just 
staying the course and not trying to do anything and not ever showing any pr- true progress or true gains. And I think a lot of people who listen are trying to make themselves better at their particular sport, whether it be cycling or triathlon or whatever particular sport that you're into. So I wanted to hear from you guys. Cause that's another thing is I love picking people's brains. I'd like to hear what it is that people are doing. And then sometimes I'll go and, and tinker with those things and see if there's a practical application to me and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I've, that's where I've learned a lot of this stuff. So, um, Sound good? You guys want to give it a go? Yeah, there's some sure. good ones. This is this <laughs> is a good little topic because this is the stuff that it's interesting to hear what everybody kind of has, you know? Yeah. Like those little things. And I think that's where, you know, when you're talking about like what would be questions that you would ask like Peter Sagan, for example. Sure. I wouldn't ask him like what his overall training plan looks like. I'm Peter never going to be able to touch How that. the hell do you do a wheelie like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or like where do you position yourself for a sprint? Like yeah. how, how do you even think about where and, you want to go? And, and what yeah. is it that you do to, to work on that? So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I get asked these questions all the time as well. Not only am I going back and trying to retrain myself on certain things, we work with so many juniors and so many people who are just new to the sport they ask these questions all the time. So let's, let's record it. Let's put it out there and let's let people, um, let's, um, you know, listen to what we have to say. And if you're listening to this and you are thinking, wow, you know what? They didn't mention this. And this is something that's worked really well for me. Share it with us. Oh yeah. And we, we say that stuff all the time. Sometimes it just sounds like it's in jest, but no, it's, it's honest and sincere. We want to hear from you. Uh, go to the dial podcast, uh, Facebook page or drop us an email info at dial podcast or hit us up on Instagram wherever mm-hmm. just let us know what you're thinking Please. so mm-hmm. um evan you're you're kind of over there bouncing a little bit you look like yeah you, you i've got well say, i've go got i've got one like in my head because i was working on it literally this morning go for it so i've been um trying to and matt i know that matt i think you have done an air uh, a video on this or you and me have talked about this but um the kind of hand stacked position in the time trial position did you did you have a video on that earlier when you yeah. were talking about positioning yeah so I've brought in my arrow pads. Um, I don't think we've. T- I don't think we've made a video yet. Okay, I know. I know that this is a position that you you try to get yourself in as well, though, is where you're kind of in that hand stacked uh, position in the arrow bars. Well, I mean, right. So I think the whole point is like get narrow, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've been making little adjustments on my time trial bike right now, bringing the pads in a little bit more, getting those hands closer to stacked, and really tucking my my neck in as my or the the back of my head. So that kind of the rear yeah. part of that helmet touches almost your, your upper back. Um, but yeah, I've been really subtly working on that as yeah. much as possible to try to see how long I can hold that position. I mean, when you're talking about little things, like if you're doing a time trial for two hours or so, if you're able to bring your frontal area in a little bit, that can save me five Watts over that, which is massive once you get onto that run. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's been a little thing. I'm working Okay. On. So Evan, a little trick to, to piggyback onto this mm-hmm. i haven't done this before but this is definitely something that we should play with some um coaches will have their pro athletes put like a very small magnet in the back of their pointy helmet mm-hmm. and so they know that when that help when that pointy part hits their back jersey like with a piece of metal there you know so you have a magnet and a piece of metal oh, yeah. it'll basically click so you feel you feel the click and that's like the head position oh. and it's all a matter of kind of training the head position we should because you want so for people this is like super deep dive right but you basically don't want a gap between your arrow helmet and your back mm-hmm. because it creates like a low pressure system and it's just additional drag yeah and the whole point of kind of that pointy helmet is to kind of reduce that 
you know, low pressure piece and reduce drag as the air goes like from this huge head, like one of the biggest pieces that's hitting the wind, you know, smoothing it out and, you know, dragging mm-hmm. it across the back. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to kind of think like, hey, that's supposed to be laid flat back there. And if you see people that have that big gap, which I know I have that in mind, it's something I think that we could potentially work on. Mm-hmm. I right. like it. It's that tucked in position. So all about maybe we should play with it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we should play with that. That would be a cool drill to do for sure. Right on. Lance. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should make a video too. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Lance, you got any for us? Um, one of the things that I try to do is, is, and we've talked about this before is watch YouTube videos. I, since Matt's talking yes, about making exactly, a new one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I I watch YouTube videos on on bike racing strategy, on like uh, oh, cool. s- like sprinting position, uh, sprinting strategy, uh, crit racing strategy. You know, I you mm-hmm. know all these things that you try to learn by actually going and racing. But uh, man, there there's a bunch of uh, videos out there that. You can learn a lot by not mm-hmm. actually having to race, but actually using that you know downtime of yours to to watch those. So yeah. I think YouTube YouTube has helped me a lot just trying to visualize what I'm supposed to be doing and then going out and trying to do it. It's always very different when you actually try to do it. But yeah. if I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing in the first place, yeah, in like a in like a sprint train or in trying yeah. to lead somebody out or trying to follow somebody's wheel or trying to take a corner properly or the quickest way to take a corner. There's, there's, mm-hmm. I think all those things. It's tough inter- information to come by. You're not going to learn it while in an actual race. It's just not going to happen unless you're like being very observant and you're just kind of like the fly on the wall, if you will, right. watching how it all transpires. That's kind of the same as watching yeah. it on YouTube. It's like but watching at least your when film. You're, yeah, yeah. When you're on mm-hmm. watching on YouTube, you're at least not like, you know, heart rate of 185 beats right. per minute and like all over the place because you're trying to pay attention to something. You can really start to assimilate that. And I like that, you know, the only other place that you're really going to learn that is if you've got a well-structured team that's going to go out and work on that kind of stuff, right. in a camp or a clinic or just drills. But even then there are very few teams that actually do that. It's more of just like, Hey, just come out and race and you'll figure it out. That's not mm-hmm. always the best, most practical way to go about this. One of the things I see, especially riding with with teammates, who are when we're, even when we're trying to ride fast together, yeah. is there's always three or four guys that don't corner well. Correct. That yeah. don't pick the line through the corner mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Don't try to go, you know, apex to apex and and cut it kind of as tight as you can. Yeah. And and it's funny, even if you're not moving fast, you can see somebody move five places up just by taking the corner properly correctly and not only did they move five places up they used a hell of a lot less energy right and mm-hmm. you're saving those bullets for later on when it matters right so yeah pretty common um for me one of the things that i've been working on a lot lately just because i'm coming out of this whole rehab process and trying to get my shoulder to actually work with me is and, and i do this mostly on the mountain bike just because it makes more sense than to see me do this crazy stuff on a road bike um it's just over exaggerated movements on the bike so rocking the bike back and forth on steep climbs and really engaging my core really mm-hmm. engaging my traps and my triceps i mean you can get a freaking great oh, great yeah. workout on the mountain bike um, it, it's almost like cross training. You know, you're, you're not necessarily mm-hmm. out riding a bike. You're kind of doing a workout, just rocking the bike back and forth. Um, I'll be doing stuff like, you know, I see a stick in the road, like normally just run it over. Wouldn't even think about it. I'm going to bunny hop that stick, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just that movement. It's that, that explosive movement coming up just to kind of try and engage your whole upper body doing little mm-hmm. things like that 
really pays dividends and it helps yep. you work on your explosive power. You start to develop strength in ranges of motion while on the bike that will pay off later when it comes to a sprint situation yeah. mm-hmm. or when you're coming to like some really tough uphill climbs, you'll learn to engage those muscles a lot more effectively that will help you become a more efficient climber and a more efficient sprinter. Mm-hmm. I, I, I swear by this stuff. I do it all the time. Again, it would look kind of silly on a road bike yeah. unless you're climbing some really deep stuff like that fly to hill, like getting out of the bike and really working it yep. back and forth and engaging all your obliques and you know, yeah. whatnot. But, um, it, it works really well for me and I was doing it, um, this past week several times and it's really been helping me. I don't think that I would be near as far along in this rehab process, mm-hmm. even though I'm still ways to go without that stuff. So yeah, that's my two cents. Matt, you got another one? I have so many things to, to work on for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is kind of sad is like how much I kind of just joke about how bad my transitions are on tra- on the triathlon side of things. And it's one of those things that doesn't have to be bad. I think, you know, I don't work on it because oftentimes I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm training for an Ironman race or whatever it is. Uh, and it's not quite as important in an Ironman race. Um, and sometimes I think if you haul through transitions, then you can, you can mess things up. Uh, but it's, it's something that we could totally work on. And I feel like it would be really interesting to do, you know, some sort of like training camp type thing or just training session, you know, like a single training session or something like that. Invite a ton of people to work on transitions, um, talk about different transition tips and tricks and things like that that you do, because there are things that you can do to make it faster. Uh, And and I mean, I just think it would be a really interesting kind of like, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a little clinic yeah i guess you could call it like a transition clinic or something like that yeah absolutely i think i think um, setting that up matt would be a yeah, good and, and we and we've got some young guys on the team guys and gals on the team now yep. who are i think going to be racing some draft legal stuff so oh really okay. you know yeah when when you talk about transitions that's hugely important in that in that style of racing yeah i think yeah the shorter you go the more important it is but it's just one of those little things that you know it's like hey yeah we can you can work on it you can get better you know there's places to improve time so yeah. so just to speak to that i was um out at hag lake a couple weekends yep. ago taking pictures and one of our younger teammates um alex amparo was out there and i got a picture of him coming in and i noticed it when he was coming in that he'd already taken his feet out of his shoe yep. his foot was on top of the shoe with the shoe smashed flat and i knew exactly why he's doing that yeah. and my wife was looking at the pictures later on she's like what kind of shoe is that? What, what is he doing there? What is that? And she had no idea. I'm like, oh, he takes his foot out of the shoe so that yeah. when he gets off the bike, that's one less thing that you have to do and it'll save you a few seconds. And she's like, isn't that yeah. dangerous? I'm like, well, it takes practice, but it's something that's going to save you time. So little tips and tricks like that, that, that people wouldn't necessarily think of are things that can save time. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a good point, Matt. Isn't that why triathlon specific biking shoes the velcro goes the opposite way of normal biking shoes so that you can undo them and they won't get hung up in your chain also some of them have a heel that can like pop back out so it's easy to slide your foot out yeah interesting Mm -hmm. good all right i like that evan um so for for me um coming coming up into this next little like block it's been all about kind of the the little things uh for me and one of the the biggest little things i'm looking at is how to build nutritionally going into like an a race and that's not just like day of nutrition because day of nutrition we could sit here and argue like oh what's better you know infinite hammer or tailwind or you know gatorade it doesn't really matter it's very much a person dependent but more about how do you 
what does your diet look like two, three weeks out from a race? What does your diet look like the week of a race? And in triathlon, like we've talked about, it's going to be way different than in cycling because let's say Lance, how, how many times have you raced this year? 28, 28. I have raced <laughs> twice going on to three. Now that's not including running races and a yeah. bike race toss in there, but we're talking about just triathlons. I have done two right. this year and right. I, I will do three after next weekend. So just a quick pause. Are you going to do any races eight. here locally so I can come out and watch you? Um, <laughs> not this season. Next season. I definitely want to, gotcha. to, to, to plan for it. Um, I wanted to try and race locally, but it was going to be hard this year just with the way that this last block was was kind of formulating mr too big time for everybody here. that's so not it trust me i'd so much <laughs> rather be racing local sometimes that's, but um yeah it's it's really become interesting for me if you know i'm racing three 73s in what is it eight weeks i think something like that between august 3rd and september 7th or whatever that's you know a, a really important thing now to me is how do i recover after these races appropriately without trying to you know binge purge too much here yeah. through through the race cycle which is very hard to do yeah um you know like eating disorders or some obviously we talk about in this sport a lot and sometimes they come by accidentally just trying to prepare for races right really really important in kind of the running world too just because of gut health with running which i know matt can speak specifically to but gotcha mm-hmm. lance um lube your chain <laughs> yeah I think that's one of my clean your drive I, chain. <laughs> yeah, you know, it used to be something I would do weekly. Now, I I kind of do it almost before every ride, as you almost should. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, I I I'll I'll clean off the chain with a, a rag with isopropyl alcohol and then relube it almost before every ride. So Dang. and and I normally I didn't do that for a long time because you'd think your lube lasts and probably it lasts longer, but. I've, you know, doing a couple of these multi-stage races and I'm watching all the pros prep in the morning because we're all, in, we're camping together and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, every one of them is cleaning their chain and relubing it. Well, and that's a we race. Just and did that's it just, yesterday. Yeah, that's a no brainer. I mean, you're losing watts. Ask Matt, Mr. Like, watt, yeah. free, free watt Friday guy over here. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you, like, you got to keep that drivetrain clean and smooth. So that's a good one. That's an easy one to just I don't skip. know about every ride though, Lance. Every ride? Well, well, if it's a race, now, yeah. now I'm being obsessive about it. <laughs> so, do you do it before if a fog out Friday? Racing, yeah. yeah, if you're racing, yes. But like you're riding 20 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of I, lubricant. I'm going through a lot of lubricant. That's a lot of lubricant. <laughs> oh my god, that is <laughs> easy. Stay on target. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Um, how long does one of those things last you? <laughs> like, no, really. Like, like how, how how many? Like, like if you do that every ride now, do you think what you're gonna I'll have go to- through like the little four ounce yeah. bottle of squirt like in six weeks Don't. or something? Oh, okay. <laughs> First time that you're gonna say like two or three weeks. No, it's no, like, no. Oh man, that's excessive. <laughs> so I'm out on a ride with my wife last this past weekend. It was our anniversary, so we went out and did a little uh, anniversary ride per my wife's request. That's what she wanted to do. Nice. It wasn't that's what awesome. I wanted to do. Well, it is what I wanted to do, but I wasn't gonna say that. She wanted to do it, so we went out on a little anniversary ride, and it was a, a recovery ride for me, I guess, because we weren't going very fast. So that's just what I called it. And I'm just gonna go out there and have fun with her, and she had a blast. But while we're out there, I'm like, All right, I'm gonna start working on these little things. So like recovery rides don't have to be just there sitting in and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I was working on like different things. So um, in this moment, we come up to a stop sign and she's unclipped and I'm sitting there working on my track stand. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's a perfect time to work in that kind of stuff. And she said, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, watch me. I don't have to clip back in, you know, and I'm working on my balance. Yeah. And then we're riding again through one of the neighborhoods. As a matter of fact, I think we were probably kind of close to your house, Matt. And we're riding along the yeah. road and there's a, like the, the curb and then there's like a little grassy knoll and then there's the sidewalk. Well, every time a driveway would come down, I would drive into the driveway, ride into the driveway, uh, dip the depression. And then I would try and ride on the curb between the road and the grass that's raised. And I try and go for as long as I can in a straight line, oh, that's working impressive. on my, my siding and working on my balance and trying not to fall into the grass or back on. And those are just little things that I'm doing to work on siding and balance. And it all lends itself really well to bike handling skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So little things like that or riding with newbies, don't do this, but riding with no hands, there's a functional reason why you need to ride with no hands. When you're in yeah. a race, yeah. if you've got to put on a vest or if you've got to get something out of your, your jersey pocket or what mm-hmm. have you, being able to ride without having your hands on the handlebars is a, a good skill to have. So you Please can, don't do that on your time trial bike, <laughs> not folks. Not on your time trial bike. <laughs> not, ask Chris for him. Do not yeah. do it on your time trial bike. <laughs> Remember all those broken bones we talked about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are little things that you can do on like easy rides. You know, Go out and work on your balance. It's easy stuff. Matt, hit us with another one. You know, um, just to, I think I'll just hop on You know, Jake's suggestion for kind of these little bike skill set pieces. One thing that I used to do kind of very, very regularly, kind of as part of either um, a cool down to a workout uh, would be kind of pedal drills where I would do some single leg stuff. Uh, And I think that that stuff helps. And I'm not sure if it helps when you're a new cyclist. Um, I mean, I I do think it helps when you're a new cyclist. I'm not sure it helps if you're more of an experienced cyclist or if it was more beneficial because I was newer to cycling. But it's something that I've been neglecting lately. And it's not hard to do. uh, But you do kind of I think it smooths out your pedal stroke just a little bit. And I think it's worth doing. And I think it's something that I I should personally, you know, reincorporate into, you know, cool downs to workouts or whatever it is, something easy to kind of incorporate. um, Just because uh, I want to see if it's still helpful. I know it was in the past. Yeah, I have a mm-hmm. question on that. It's kind of for Evan. Yeah. Um, and, and just to speak to, I think that they're functional as well, but I think that you also have to be careful with those because I think it's easy to kind of overdo it. And I've actually seen some people develop mm-hmm. knee pain, knee problems, mm-hmm. and even like mild muscle strains. Hip because issues. Exactly, yeah. because you're not just pushing over the top of the pedal stroke and coming through the bottom and scraping and then letting the other foot bring it up over the top. You're actually having to take it through the whole entire pedal stroke. So you're having to engage muscle groups that yeah. you don't necessarily engage unless you're maybe like in a full sprint. Mm-hmm. So you're getting into like hip flexors and hamstrings that are, are not usually used to doing that through that pedal stroke. So Evan, what are some things that people should look out for when doing single leg pe- yeah. pedaling work? I, I would actually, so I used to do, some single leg pedal work. Um, I've actually gotten away from it, Matt, when I did, um, in, in undergraduate, I did a study on pedal stroke yeah. basically. And, um, I just did basically like a research, <laughs> uh, just, just did like kind of a research synopsis on it. And I think the, the pedal stroke itself is developed through bilateral movement. So, so it's both sides. Um, it's, it's very similar to how, you know, working on, um, like things in the pool, you've got to make sure that it translates to the stroke very well that you're trying to recreate. And everything that we do repetitively creates, you know, uh, feeds into a certain motor pattern. So just like Jake said, there's actually different muscle activation when I'm only pedaling with one leg. So maybe in short bursts, it can be beneficial for sprint technique. Cause like you said, there, there's a lot more dragging up through the bottom of the stroke through while you're sprinting or going up very steep climbs. Um, but really, it's more the balance between the pedal stroke that's important. So, 
this is where if you're somebody who has a very big um, different side to side, let's say power wise, mm-hmm. it's more off mm-hmm. of the bike where you can work on that small stuff. So that's where, okay, let's say I'm 58, 42% wise. Let's mm-hmm. say my right leg's a lot stronger right. than my left leg. Well, let's figure out like why that is. If you go to do a single leg squat on both legs and you can go 75% of the way down on your right and 25% of the way down on your left, there's your problem. You're not as stable on that left side, Mm -hmm. which means when you fatigue out, your body's going to naturally go to its more congruent side, which would be your, your right side. Correct. So it's more that little bit of training off of the bike than trying to just do left leg single drills. Because the problem is as soon as that right leg is introduced again, then you're back into your normal cycling motor pattern which is not something that we actively think of. That's why I try to explain to people the running gait too, is it's not, these aren't conscious processes. Yeah. They're, they're cerebellar, they're subconscious processes. So it's not like while you're pedaling, you're thinking, pick up leg, put it down, pick up leg, put it down. Yeah. It's just happening as a motor pattern. And you can do these things without having one foot completely unclipped. I mean, yeah, you can exactly. ride and just let the other one passively come along mm-hmm. with you. Yep. And I, I like that personally yeah. for people when we're doing endurance stuff um, to help like kind of alleviate some of the, the strains of being on in that position riding for long periods of time. So mm-hmm. you can start to, while you're doing your pedal stroke and, you know, Lance could be out there doing it. I can tell him what to do in his ear and nobody else knows. And you're looking at his pedal stroke and it's like, Oh, that's just his pedal stroke. But then you'll say, ha ha, I'm actually using my hamstrings a lot more and I'm giving yeah. my quads a little bit of a break. And that's a good way to like deal with stuff. Like if you've got like fatigue or if you've got a yeah. muscle spasm or a cramp, um, just be careful mm-hmm. that you don't cause those muscles to cramp as well. But that's a good way to kind of get yeah. those just like that short little repeat. or like cadence drills too. Or Correct. Great. Yeah. Yes. Because you know, I mean, there's really like Matt go to go back to your point about like, Oh, single leg drills at different varying cadences or anything like that. If you use both legs for certain cadence drills, you may find out that, Oh, when I hit anything over a hundred, I feel like I'm only pushing through my right leg. You know, you, you may notice yeah. that, or if I drop below 60, uh, my left knee starts to really hurt. Yeah. So you may notice those asymmetries that yeah. way. And yeah. this is a reason why I really dig the Garmin vector pedals. Mm-hmm. They give you such great right. information yeah, when you get into side. the cycling dynamics to look mm-hmm. at your pedal stroke and your efficiencies and which side you're using more than the other. And you can look at your entire pedal stroke and find out how much stress you're putting into that. You can look at um, where you're pushing it on the pedals. Well, if you're pushing too medially or too laterally, or if you're dead center, mm-hmm. it gives you all of that feedback so that while you're on the bike, you can actually physically see what you're doing and start working on correcting that. So you can start mm-hmm. to develop those motor patterns so that you can clean up your yep. pedal stroke and become more efficient. Yep. So I like it. Also let the record show I'm amazingly asymmetrical. So there are some <laughs> funny videos I know that people have taken me from behind. So I am not somebody who's trying to like lecture anybody on symmetry in your cycling. Do as I say, not as I do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Evan, you got another one? Uh, yeah. So this is Matt talking about running. I kind of want your opinion on this one. Um, this is a, a run workout that I'm looking as, as we're talking about the little things I'm looking into the future of next season and kind of how to plan, um, you know, kind of run development through the winter. And I've kind of stumbled across something that was kind of an old world, uh, uh, training, I think approach, but there was a guy who used to preach, uh, six at six all the time. So it was, or six at six at six. So it was a 6 a.m., six-mile run at six-minute pace. And he would do this three times a week, almost religiously every single week, no matter if it was a recovery or a build week, through his off-season. The idea behind it was building, as we talk about these motor patterns, that neuromuscular motor pattern at early morning times at that six-minute pace. 
what are what are your thoughts just overall on that? I know you were somebody who, when you ran, was big on high volume as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like that sounds like you're locking yourself into, um, you know, a specific distance at a specific pace. Mm-hmm. You know, early in the morning like that. I don't know. I I would. I don't know. I have to think about it for a little while. I'll get back to you for sure. We can readdress it on another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. My gut feeling is that you want, especially that early is that you kind of want to warm up into it a little bit. And I think the way it sounds is that it's like, nope, get up, go start at six minute pace, like get your six miles in at six minute pace. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that that's what I would have preferred to do, but just because it's something that I wouldn't prefer to do doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to try and look into it a bit because I know there's, I mean, there's obviously a million different training approaches, but this, this was one that kind of caught my attention being somebody who usually doesn't run too well in the morning. I was thinking about, you know, trying, trying to adjust that, but yeah, we're just, when, when we're relating it back to little things, I think also looking at the timing of your training is important. So if you are, I think so too. Yeah. And let's, and let's, uh, a good example actually is like bike racing where let's say you're preparing for a crit that starts at, you know, some of these crits are like late night crits. De, uh, de, yeah. de, depending on where you're on the yeah. country, I know the East Coast has a lot of like uh, yeah. you know quote unquote under the lights crits. You, you better have some training in your in your repertoire at late night. Yeah, late night, yeah. Because if your body is not used to expending all of its glycogen at 7 p.m., it's not like you're just going to wake up on race day and be like, "All right, here we go." This <laughs> is same idea with I know um as me as me and Matt have talked about the more and more you race triathlons over the years, the more and more efficient you get at waking up at that time and kind of getting ready to go yeah, it's sure. not it's not as bit of a big of a shock to the system once you've done it for a couple of years cool lance i got one yeah, more I think a lot of it is i think a lot of it's like getting up at a certain amount of time and having a certain amount of space between wake up and race yeah that you can rep potentially replicate in training so yeah that's that that's a good point it's more about like the hours to the race yeah i was going to talk about sleep but you guys just blew there that out of the water yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I, the last one I have is uh, one of the small things, practice taking your bottle out of the cage yeah. and putting it back. It's both hands. With both, both hands. hands yeah. And you need to practice doing that without looking as yes. well. Thank with, you for saying that. Without, <laughs> yeah. without, without looking at your cage swerving. to yeah. get it or looking to put it back in so that when you are actually in a group ride or you're right on somebody's wheel, you can safely grab it drink and put it back without wobbling Mm -hmm. let's take that a step further so let's assume that you've got two bottles in there we're not going to get into the one to bottle bait of like which one's more aerodynamic and all that stuff that's neither here nor there which bottle do you generally try and keep your more hydrated bottle up front or does it just kind of not matter i just by just by repetition it is easier for me to grab my front bottle than Uh my rear bottle i can Mm -hmm. i can grab it out and i can put it back yeah so Actually, if I'm in a if I'm in a race situation, I w- always move the bottle I'm using to the front. If yeah. that makes sense, ahead of time, not while you're in the race. No, but yeah. while I'm in the race. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, but there'll so, be moments so, during the race where it's like not as hot. So will that generally be where you're gonna change the bottles? Yes. Oh, you're saying timing it, wise. Yeah. 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 If I have two bottles in a race, yeah. I'm always pulling off the front bottle until it's empty. Correct. Once it's empty and switch it's them. safe to do so, I switch the bottles. And so when you switch the bottles, this is how I do it. I will put one in my mouth and I will bite firmly with my yeah, teeth. Yeah, I hold it in my and, mouth. And, and, and yep. 
hold it very firmly. And that's when you reach down and grab the one from the back, put it in the front, and then you come up and grab the other one and put it back in. Yes. There. Okay. That's that's just yep. want to make sure that we're all on the same page because that's how yep. you want to do it. Um, not trying to do it with two hands moving and things around down there. You always want to have a hand on the bars when doing this. The other question is, is you will see two different styles of people taking drinks of water. Some of them will be like the traditional, like you're holding a cup of water and you're going to tilt it up and the, the top of the bottle is up and then they're going to put it in there, kind of raise their arm up a little bit and squeeze it into their mouth. Yeah. Some people will grab it almost like it's upside down so that when they pull it up to their mouth, the nipple side is already down yeah. and then they'll put it up to their mouth and kind of hit themselves that way and then put it back. Which one do you do and why? I, I do the one where I grab it and pick it up with the bottle upside down. I think it's just more comfortable for me. So you kind of reach in and you kind of convert or um, contort yourself a little bit more so that when you pull the bottle up, the, the nipple part, the squeeze bottle part is, is pointing, pointing down. down. You do that? I believe so. Okay. I don't. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do you? Okay. I, think I don't lose. either, but Lance, I think we should practice doing it the way that Lance does it because, again, you keep your eyes more on the road because the bottle's up, the nipple's down, your eyes are either, you know, going to, I think, be a little bit closer to the road. This and also, true. Evan, for you and I in particular, mm-hmm. our head, we can stay in more aero position if the bottle's tilted that direction. That's very in true. In fact, there's some new bottle, there's some new bottle company that makes one that basically the nipple is set up easier to where it kind of shoots sideways. I don't know if uh-huh. that's, it's probably hard to describe. I've over seen, Skype I've seen here. what you're talking but about. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think it's called Speed Fill or no, huh, yeah. Speed, I don't know. Maybe it's called Speed Bottle, something like that. Anyway, the whole point point is that yes you can keep your eyes you know down or up what you know whatever it is you're not like tilting your head back uh but then you're in arrow position right you're in the potentially you're i don't know you might not be in the bars necessarily but you're still leaning pretty far forward just because that's the way those bikes are set up to go yeah uh and i think i think potentially we should probably be doing at least practicing being able to do it the way that lance does that if we need to keep our eyes really closely on the road that we can so I've, I've tried both ways and I just naturally have gone back to the other way. And I don't find that my head yep. changes position at all because at the end of the day, the nipples getting into my mouth the same direction. It's just how high I have to lift my actual elbow up to do that and how much I have to twist my wrist. Oh, I think right. that the, the offset of having to do that little bit of extra movement just to get the bottle into the position for me is easier to find or to put the bottle back the way that I want it. I think that my hand just will yep. naturally put it back down into the cage a little bit more smoothly and like we talked about being able to do that without looking for me that's what works best that might be one of those things for us to go out there and run some trials on it and figure out which one's going to be the most effective the most efficient and the most repeatable um with the best outcomes of <laughs> you not crashing or dropping your bottle so and no swerving either yeah that's the most important yeah. part if, yeah. if i had never practiced taking the bottle and putting it back um without looking i would never drink during either a crit or a circuit race yeah because i'm always watching the wheel in front of me yep. and i don't want to look down because yep. if that guy wobbles i need to be prepared for that yeah, so i just wouldn't drink you know and that's another thing if he does wobble <laughs> yeah. and you do have that bottle in your hand ditch the bottle yeah, you just check drop that, it no don't just drop it throw it get it out of the way so yeah. nobody runs it over but um it that bottle it, it's not very expensive you can afford the seven or eight bucks to replace it if you absolutely have to but um yeah you don't want to go down because you have a bottle in your hand yeah yeah, cool. I think I think in triathlon too, it's it's funny because you would think, oh, it's got to be easier to hydrate. But I will say, like, and Matt, you you kind of know the feeling when you're really trying to hold a certain wattage, it it becomes a little bit harder to control yep. the time trial bike. I was and, and sure. even with, with me and Matt having spent as much time as we have in the time trial position, yeah. yep. I will admit at mile 
fifth, you know, like mile 45, 50, it gets a little bit harder to reach behind you, get that bottle and comfortably get yeah. a drink yeah. in yeah. when you're kind of in the red. Well, that's yeah. a good point because you guys are grabbing the bottle from and a We ride road bikes yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, putting those yeah. bottle cages in different positions for us is weird. Oh, that, that, that rear bottle grab. I always dread that during a race, Matt. Like yeah. I, I always try to get rid of my front one first. I'm like, oh God, here we go. I got to go for the rear one yep. now. Got to contort your back into some position where you can get to it. Hi, and welcome back to another yeah, episode I, of sim- Bottle Talk. Yeah, similar to, <laughs> <laughs> similar to Lance, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, similar to Lance. Like, I use that rear bottle yeah, as kind of like I the do, refill I do in station, and the front one is kind of, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Very cool. I like that. That was a good one. Um, I got a, I got two more. Well, kind of one more. Um, there's a race that I used to do down, a race series that I used to do down in Southern California, mm-hmm. and it was called Non-Dot. I'm like, that's an interesting name. And the the gentleman who uh, started the, the the race series and the promoter, his name is John Curley. Super cool guy. And so cool that, um, you know, it was funny. He he goes up to Ben for like a year, or not a year, for a, a month during the summer every year. Mm-hmm. And he was there riding, and I saw him on Strava. I'm like, hey, John, that's pretty cool. I'm actually going to be in Sun River. You know, we should connect. He's like, absolutely. So I went and rode with him down there. We went and mm-hmm. did... Um, What's the, the the trail system down there, Dave or Paul? Phil's trail. Phil, Phil Dave, Paul. Yeah, yeah. That's all same. Phil's trail. Phil's trail. So <laughs> he took me back there. We did twenty plus miles and just got to chat with him. Like, tell me what what's the story behind Nondot? And now it's up on his website. But Nondot basically is. Um, if you think of like the dotted system in terms of like when you go do like different trails, it'll tell you like there's the beginner, the intermediate and the advanced. Well, a non-dot is you're just basically going off all systems and you're trying new lines. So the definition yeah. that they have up on their, their site says steering away from the easy line and taking the challenging yet ultimately more fulfilling path. So it's just kind of like challenging yourself to do different little things. And that really stuck with me. And so every time I do that now, I'll I'll see a line that you're supposed to ride on. You look over in the bushes like, that could be a line. And so I'll do that. And I'll say, (laughs) non-dot, because he did that. Like I was riding with him down there, Phil's, and like we'd be riding. All of a sudden, he just hit some crazy line and go over some rock. And I'm like, that was awesome. And while he was doing it, he's like, (laughs) non-dot. And he still does that. And that's that's non-dot John. So um, I, I always think about that kind of stuff is just taking a different line. Don't look at things a little bit differently. Kind of look at things outside of the box. And, you know, don't go and disrupt or break or do anything to a trail that's not supposed to be done. But there are different lines out there. You know, try and go over that log try and like go up that little berm if you're you're afraid of that or try and you know just take a different line that's different from what you would traditionally do and what all the other people do and challenge yourself to do something different and i think that taking that philosophy in life too is kind of a cool thing because you just try things a little bit differently do things differently than what everybody else does um translates really well to riding bikes as well so don dot like i like it i like it a lot yeah (laughs) matt you got any more for us yeah well i mean they're, they're more personal, but like I definitely, there's some things that I really want to develop as far as like morning routine with, um, just doing some different like exercises specifically for Achilles slash calves that, you know, that I'm, I'm really think is important. Um, I think all of us, you know, may have some sort of, you know, weakness or issues that they could potentially set up a morning routine to, to address. Uh, um, that's not necessarily a, a small little skill thing to do. Um, but it's definitely something that's kind of been on my mind recently. Yeah. I'm waiting for you to heal up, buddy. It's just like yeah. days after Matt had his accident, we were supposed to like look into starting Pilates together. We're going to go do some Pilates. And, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm, I was like I'm eagerly waiting we're for We're discussing you to, that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, broken. <laughs> yeah. But no, Matt, I think, I think that's a good point when you're looking at just, 
it's I, I think people need to look more at especially chronic injury rehab as an endurance athlete as more something like you prepare for a race. So it's something that you do need to make like a schedule of basically for for long term yep. success. I think, you know, a lot of us endurance athletes, as soon as something's hurting, we want the quick answer, which is ironic because nothing in endurance sports is the quick answer. Nope. <laughs> like, have you ever been like, oh, I was 10th in that right. race? I want to be first be now. Be like, all right. 12 months later is when that's going to happen. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> it's, it's just kind of committing to that long-term plan. Gotcha. Evan, you got any more? Um, I got a really boring one. I watched a sweat. So Cassie took a swim video of me while I was in bend and Matt, you'll appreciate my right hand has stopped doing this weird little kick out to the right. I've been focusing on that for mm -hmm. now, like nine months. No lie. <laughs> I have been, it has been in my head. Almost every single swim stroke is to get that right arm from flailing out to the right. And I finally watched two swim videos of myself and they were, it's not happening anymore. Yay. Still slow as crap <laughs> oh, in the nice. water, but thank God that that at least asymmetry is gone. So <laughs> nice Lance, were you done? I'm done. You're done. Yeah. Right. I'll toss out one more too. Um, and if you guys have anything else, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, bike handling stuff. So for me, I, like doing little things like when you're riding on a bike, mountain bike, you see a rock in the path, slow down, see if you can fling it with your tire. Yeah. What? <laughs> try to kick out your rear wheel and oh, try to, you know, like. Lance knows exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. MVP does that kind of stuff, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. You know, so, there's a sport that's like <laughs> soccer on bikes. Right. Have yeah. you guys seen this yes, sport? That's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah they're on incredible at that. I with yeah. upright yeah. handlebars. But that translates to like being able to maneuver your bike and, and find new lines. Yeah. You know? and, and that doesn't just um, specifically apply to mountain bikes. You can do that on the road too because. When you're riding, you'd be amazed at how many times you'd be riding. And all of a sudden, uh oh, big crack or uh oh, yep. big pothole in the road. Like being able to like kind of flip your bike or flick your bike or be able to mm -hmm. jump or change lines in like the flick of a an eye. You got to be able to do that yeah. stuff to stay safe. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, cornering on flat um, turns. You know, Lance was talking about cornering, taking that stuff. Yeah, do that on a mountain bike, and you will learn really quickly how to take the most effective and fluid line. Otherwise, you're going to be laying on your side. Well, and you can also on a on a mountain bike taking a, a tight corner, you can take it tighter if you if you separate your body from the bike a little bit. Yeah, like you you push your body to the outside of the corner instead of staying right on top of your bike and railing the corner. You can if you push your the weight of your body to the outside pedal. You can actually take it tighter and yeah. faster, yep. and but so, it is a hard skill to learn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you've got that outside foot that's going to be down because the inside's up because you don't want a pedal strike, and you want to push force through the actual pedal, and that applies to both mountain and road bikes. Mm -hmm. Pushing force through, like you don't have to do a full-on toe point, but if you just kind of push your foot down just a tiny bit and put all the, for, or the, the, the weight that you have and the pressure that you have through the ball of your foot and push that into the pedal your bike's going to be in much better contact with the ground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what Lance was saying. Uh, yeah. It will, it will rail, which yep. means you will fly through the corner yep. faster. Yes. Yeah. And just working on slow speed turns, working on side hops, like we already talked about, uh, rear, rear wheel hops, you know, like when you're going over like a, a curb or something like that, you might be able to bunny hop, but you know, can you lift your rear wheel up too without like destroying the, the rim? Yeah. That kind of stuff comes up. I mean, you see it in the tour all the time. They'll be coming up to a big roundabout and all of a sudden guys like, uh Oh, and you just like bunny hops and like he has mm -hmm. to pull that rear wheel up. That kind of stuff pays dividends. So, and then that's always fun to watch in the tour. Whenever those little <laughs> subtle things like that, those are the most amazing bike handling things to watch is like the guy who rides into somebody's yard on an attack or something yeah. like that. It's like, <laughs> right. like who in a group ride even thinks of that? Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing I suck at this, I have sucked at it for my entire life. And I 
will someday before I die and before I quit cycling, will master it. The wheelie. I need to be able to do a freaking. I can't, and I can't do a wheelie. And either. we're out there at short track this past <laughs> week, and Terry Hamness is just like do 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 doing a wheelie in the warm up. Yeah. And I saw him even like earlier in the day. He went out on the the PR or the racetrack, like the the tarmac, and he was just doing a, a wheelie like for like like a quarter mile. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> no, I cannot do that. I feel like it's one of those things. Once you get it, like once or twice, you're set. It's yeah. just like you have to find that balance point. Well, it's was, a scary balance. Point I was to talking find. to Terry's brother Mike, and he uh-huh. he was telling me that exact same thing. He's like, yep. There'll be a moment in time where you get it and it just clicks. It's like all of a sudden it's like ingrained in your DNA that yep. you know how to do a wheelie. You yeah. know that balance point. You know exactly where you need to be and where you, you know, position your body. And then you can just do them forever. I'm like, oh, God, I got a lot of I'm work to do. So, either. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody knows how to do a wheelie or a good wheelie instruction video that we can watch on YouTube, <laughs> send it to us. So, Matt, you got any more? That's it. Sweet. Do anybody you, else got anything else to add? Do you have a wheelie instructional video yet, Matt? Oh, Girl, I'm working on it. Yeah. Working on it. Okay. Get we'll Sagan, come on we'll and do it. Yep. Well, right that. now I'm on a bike and I'm I'm half wheelied right now. <laughs> Good. Okay. Okay. A little half pop. Yeah. All right. <laughs> One last thing, Lance. Uh, the only thing I want to re-mention is uh, to go to GoFundMe and find the Bob Pool accident page, and uh, if you can show Bob a little love to help recover from his. Uh, his uh, wreck at PIR this uh, last week. That would be really cool. So, Very cool. Evan, one last thing. Uh, my dad finished Ragbri, the ride across oh, wow. Iowa. Yeah. Wow. He did it wow. for the first... He, he's done it. He's done it a few times before uh, on the Air Force team, and he has really, in the last two years, I really think because of... Uh, he listens to this podcast, and Jake, he's talked about kind of... Like, he loves listening. It's gotten him really back into riding the last the last year. Awesome. Cool. And he, yeah, he did ragbri for the first time in a long time, and he said he felt great. I mean, he's tired as heck. It is a long, long bike ride, but it goes from, I believe, ooh, am I right? It, it goes side to side in Iowa. I forget what direction. I want to say it goes west or east to west, I Which think. Which way does the wind typically blow? Because I'm sure they're riding ooh, with yeah. the wind, right? <laughs> yeah, usually. they they It's it, it's a long day, I know, but the Air Force team was out there, too. My mom took a really cool video of the Air Force team all coming in together. Gotcha. And just kind of send chills. It was really cool. Uh, the most impressive thing about Ragbri is it's mm-hmm. 30,000 cyclists. Oh, yeah. Wow. It is it's, gigantic. I believe. Wow. 30,000. I think it's the biggest group ride in the world. I think I so. Think, I think it's the biggest well, supported group ride in the it's world. It's a week long. It's mm-hmm. like camping. Seven days, yep. yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Is that oh, yeah. on your bucket list, Lance? Um, I'm not too interested in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> so here's Iowa has actually like way more climbing than you would think it right? would, too. His rides actually had a decent amount of elevation gain because people picture Iowa like they do Kansas. It is not. Iowa, you are basically going up or down for a good portion of that state. Sure. Now, it's not, you're not, you know, climbing 6,000 feet at any point, but <laughs> you're hitting 100 footers every couple seconds. Yeah, so. it's big. It's super popular. That's cool that he did it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a blast. And they're in Colorado now, so I'll be able to meet them um, go, going out to the race, which oh, is good. awesome. So great. Yeah. Matt, one last thing. Um, you guys, I, I'm sure you've already seen this, but I posted, um, like the video that I took when we were there, when I was in the studio, uh, just a quick behind the scenes yeah. video, um, oh, yeah. just for any, any people that listen to the podcast, uh, you know, but maybe they're, they're missing the live stream or they're, uh, just not sure kind of like what the studio looks like. Um, I posted a little video to my YouTube channel just saying like, you know, uh, you know, check it out. Um check out the podcast, but also giving 
people a little insight into how everything looks over there. So I've done one of those videos before. Uh, it's real short, um, but it's definitely kind of a fun thing to check out uh, for those that listen to us. Also, you know, I, I, I have a bit of people that follow my channel that don't actually know that I'm on this dial podcast itself. So uh, I think it's good to just kind of cross pollinate, you know, the groups and things like that. So pretty fun. Yeah, it was an excellent video. And we're being I, filmed. <laughs> you, were, you were constantly being watched. I had no idea. I didn't sign anything. I didn't agree to that. <laughs> I completely failed on sending you some of that video footage from the GoPro team. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. I Don't just, worry about it. I realized that when you uh, put that out and I got the little notification, I'm like, don't. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, that's fine. And, and that's another thing. Matt brought up something. Um, the live stream. I, we're contemplating or I've been contemplating bringing it back and, and I'm sure the, the guys here wouldn't mind having that come back um, we would do that I would be curious to see if we could find a sponsor who would like to help us out with that there's a little bit of a carrying cost to that and for any of those that, are, that were wondering we don't, we don't make any money off this no. it costs money every single month and it's our time but we love doing it we have a blast doing it but if you guys are interested in having the live stream come back we're looking for a sponsor and it would be pennies for people we'll make mention of you and maybe you could help you out but you can help us out and what we need to for is for um, some software stuff that we have to pay like a monthly fee. And it's something we tried. We tried using a system and it just sucked. <laughs> the, the quality was just terrible. Yeah, so, yeah. But um, if anybody's interested out there, give us a jingle. Be pretty cool. cool. Um, yeah. My one last thing is there is an article that uh, Bicycling Magazine put out and it kind of, it, I don't know, I saw it yesterday morning and it kind of reminded me of the little incident, little run-in we had while we were on the rack. There was this idiot guy in this little Subaru car and I, I, I have, <laughs> I think I have a picture of his car and his license plate and I'm tempted to turn it in, but this guy came flying up on us. We were riding on a country road. There was nowhere for us to go and he was pissed that we were on a country road. Um, he came by me and was probably maybe a foot away from me and I was, and we were somewhat compact and he purposefully buzzed every single person in our group and we were coming into a tight turn that was maybe 20 feet before some railroad tracks and yeah. maybe 100 feet before a stop sign and going into the turn it's not blind but you can't really see super well he buzzed lance lance was in the turn and the guy came up he and did. narrowly missed lance and he's like blowing his horn at us just being a complete jackhole it's like really Really, guy, is th is that truly necessary? I mean, you're, he lost, you know, eight seconds. Not even that, because he didn't really okay. slow down. He didn't. No. That guy's life is probably very sad and angry, so yeah. I wouldn't worry too much I'm about sure. it. It's probably some yeah. guy in his twenties and just being a complete idiot. His out life's there. probably not going the way that he wants it to, and he's very <laughs> bummed about it. So, <laughs> so yesterday, I'm like kind of just cruising around looking at stuff, and this article pops up by Bicycling Magazine, put out by Bicycling Ma Magazine, and it's titled "Seriously, Drivers, Is Your Time More Valuable Than My Life?" And yeah. it was just a good read. And some of the other people in the cycling community, I already shared it, but I, I will put that up on our dial podcast um facebook page i promise i'll do it i know we say we're gonna put stuff up and sometimes i forget <laughs> about it <laughs> but um just give that a read and it, what what kind of sucks is that like yeah cyclists are going to read that but people who drive cars are not cyclists they're not but what can happen is you can put that out there and you can share it with people and you can plead with them like hey just take a second and read this and just know that really at the end of the day we're and, and they're saying that this guy was driving on a country road was inconvenienced by 40 seconds because he had to wait for a cyclist and 40 seconds is, is steep it was it, it's less <laughs> it, well it's less because they were they were saying they're making it sound like he had to stop but he didn't stop he was still moving so they were theorizing that it was maybe more like 20 seconds 
But still, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, think about all the stuff that's 10 that, minutes. Yeah. yeah. Think about all of the things that you wait for. I mean, like you'll wait for five minutes at the McDonald's drive through. Yeah. You'll wait for, you know, five minutes at Starbucks to get your coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you'll yeah. wait for, you know, three minutes or whatever for a commercial break between like you're watching your TV show. And you don't gripe about that, but you're inconvenienced by 20 seconds and you're going to use your vehicle as a, a device to hurt somebody or to run somebody off the road or to scare or just to, to posturize. Why? I Why? think I think we need to go back to the only punishment that should be for anybody who does anything in a car to a cyclist. If your license plate's turned in, it should be suspended. You should have to ride your bicycle everywhere for a month. And then this will all stop. Right. Because then you'll be on the road and you'll be like, oh, wow, that's terrifying yeah. when a car buzzes me. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. Uh, and I've said this before. I yeah. drive just as much as the oh, next yeah. guy. And yeah. I encounter cyclists. And you know what? I'm not like they make it sound like it we're, your day? we're the root of all evil <laughs> that they're like hours late to their their appointment to do whatever. I I've been inconvenienced in the lot this year. I've been inconvenienced maybe once for a total of like 20 seconds. Yeah. Not a big deal. I have yeah. yet in my life ever been late to anything because of a cyclist. Right. Correct. That's a lot of years of driving right there. And I am, I mean, I, I guarantee that's going to continue for the next 10 years. I don't think they're going to yeah. make me late. And there's a lot of cyclists in Vancouver. And one more thing while we're on the subject, do yourself a favor and go learn the laws with respect to bicycles riding on the roadway. We had another run in with a, a local gentleman um, back in the hills that was very upset that we were riding our bicycles on the road that we needed to get off and we needed to yield to him even though we were going the rate of speed down a hill on a double yellow line with blind turns but were you on the white line is really the question <laughs> matt was he on the white line do you think so <laughs> could have been could have been he wanted, your us, fault. <laughs> he wanted us to pull over and let him go because he was inconvenienced and he had to follow us for i'm not kidding it was maybe like 45 seconds to a minute and he came yeah. over and i i politely was like we were doing the rack and he came up and he started getting in the ear of the, the person that looked like he was in charge. He came up and asked, who's in charge of this station? I want to talk to you about these cyclists that are coming through here. And I was there filling my water bottle up and I was kind of listening. I'm like, Oh brother, here we go again. And yeah. like Jake, bite your tongue, bite your tongue, bite your tongue. And then finally I just had to chirp in, <laughs> but I did it tactfully. And, and that's just, you know, that's how you're going to get something across. And yeah. like, you know, he started talking to this guy and I, I interjected and I'm like, well, actually this is what happened and then he didn't disagree with me and i'm like actually these are the, the laws he's like no you need to pull over and you need to get out of my way no those aren't the laws no 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 i'm like well sir i i appreciate your opinion yeah but your opinion's incorrect it's not, it's law. not the yeah. law we can take the lane if we need to take the lane plus we were going the speed limit plus it was a double yellow line and plus it was blind turns what are you going to do and yeah. he was just beside himself and he just wanted to continue yelling at me. And I was just killing him with, with as much kindness as That's I could say, sir, yeah. when you, when do me a favor, when you get home, open up your computer, pull up Google and type in, you know, Washington state laws for cyclists and, and, and motorists and all that other stuff. We are a vehicle on the road. We can take the line and you know, we should not ride too abreast and obstruct traffic. We should get over and let you pass when it's safe to do when so. This yep. was not one of those situations. And he just was so upset that, that, he wasn't right and it was his opinion that he wanted to win the day and granted this is a saturday too yeah what, i mean what was he headed to work well we're probably out, not if he had that much middle, time to stop and yell at you we're out in the middle <laughs> of the country yeah we're out in the middle of the country yakult washington like yeah you've never heard of it right it's for reasons out in the yeah. middle of nowhere yeah so anyway that was that was something that went down and, and i think it turned out well i'm hoping that this gentleman this older gentleman took the time to go learn and 
don't know. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of funny. And there's um, there's a, a Washington State Bicycle Advocacy Group. It's not Cascade. It's a different group. I, I popped onto their website and actually have because I wanted to see if somebody made a little pocketbook for the laws of the road. They do. And they will send it to you for free. And I sent them an email saying, I would love to have one of those. (laughs) And I would even pay for it. And um, you guys always hear my computer dinging and popping and belling and all that other stuff. They just sent me an email back. So I'm looking forward to reading that. If uh, if they do carry it with you. Yeah. If If a guy pulls over and stops, be like, no, I I actually have a law book right here. Let's read this together. (laughs) You got (laughs) a minute, buddy? Let's sit down. Let's go through the law. I love it. So anyway, I'll I'll keep you posted on that. To be continued. So. Everybody right. should carry that instead of carry a weapon on them. Just carry the law book on you carry some and just knowledge. take it out each time. Yeah, somehow I don't think that would work. With knowledge. So. All right, that's the wrap. That's the end of the show. Lance, good luck tonight at Short Thank Track. You. Same to you. Hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. you have a good outcome, and maybe we'll be sharing the podium with That'd you. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll see. Woo. Evan, you've got a big race coming up, buddy. You want to tell everybody one more time when that is? This is this upcoming Saturday. August, I believe that is the third. Uh huh. I believe, yes, it is the third. I will be racing in Boulder, Colorado. We wish you luck. Early nice. morning. I'm more excited to hear about the short track stuff because that's, <laughs> that's going to be a real like tight sort of race. So, <laughs> will you be back from Boulder for? Uh, the I should. I should be. My my flight, as long as nothing gets delayed, should get me back in time where I can come yep. come for next week's podcast. So, cool. yeah. Matt, you have a good time with your uh, post Ironman festivities and travels. Perfect. Thanks. Awesome. We look forward to having you come back in here. And everybody else out there, you guys have a good week. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye.